0: Let's continue our talk with St. John Hunt, author of Bond of Secrecy, My Life with CIA Spy and Watergate Conspirator E. Howard Hunt, and also Dorothy, an amoral and dangerous woman. I want to talk just briefly about William F. Buckley. He was a friend of your dad's. People don't realize this, but as a fresh Yale graduate, he went to work for the CIA under your dad, apparently in Mexico City. After your father went to prison, Buckley showed up with lawyers. He winds up evicting you and the other children from the family house. He patched your little brother off to Miami, and, uh, and I just have to ask, do you, do you harbor hatred for William F. Buckley for what he did?
1: I didn't find uh, that information out until um, probably um, 2002 uh, when I was uh, sitting in uh, my father's kitchen with uh, uh, Bill Snyder, the, the attorney that was involved in that, and also my father's attorney. Uh, just not a very good attorney because he really never helped my dad do anything but he was recommended by William F Buckley so I see uh, you know it's been been said that uh, he was my dad's handler because he also destroyed our our uh, plans um, to to bring all this to the light before he passed away and uh, Snyder's been underhanded this whole time but uh, he or he and Buckley uh, falsified information to my sister Lisa and I, and our, our nine-year-old brother David, that the house had been sold. We had just a few weeks to pack up and get out, and there was nothing you could do about it. And sorry, and you know, uh, you know, uh, hope, hope things work out for you. And uh, and it was just, it was just a lie. We, my brother, was kidnapped and uh, put in the back of Buckley's car. Uh, he had a couple goons there with him, and um, you know, he was torn out of our arms, screaming and crying. My sister Lisa was hysterical, and I was just dumbfounded. I mean. The, this was actually happening. And after our mother's death and our father being incarcerated, you know, to have this happen, uh, to lose our family home, um, was just uh, the most devastating. It was like the icing on the cake. I mean, it was just too much. Yeah. My sister practically had a nervous breakdown.
0: Well, it's understandable. Your family life is shattered. Uh, I would note that at that point you wind up drifting west and eventually to California. And uh, just to fast forward a bit, years later, after your dad was released, you did reestablish a relationship with him. But it's, just from what you're telling us today and in the books, it's clear that um, even then you weren't, you weren't learning so much directly about his clandestine life, but other research was sort of outlining it for you, and your dad filled in some of the gaps.
1: In the 70s, uh, after my father's uh, face had been uh, you know, uh, uh, put out across all the news media for his role in Watergate and he was front-page news and this and that, uh, um, some researchers noticed that uh, his likeness looked uh, considerably like um, uh, the one of these three tramps, that these mysterious three tramps that had been picked up by the Dallas police a few minutes after uh, Kennedy was killed. Uh, they were found uh, near boxcars behind the grassy knoll. And one of them does look incredibly like my father, with some makeup on and, you know, uh, unshaven for a few days or whatnot. And for many years I thought well there might be something to this and of course my father always denied it and always denied knowing of any uh, any knowledge about the assassination had no part in it and he firmly felt that Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone and he was a communist sympathizer whose life uh, meant nothing to anybody and he wanted to make a name for himself and he was going to kill the president and that was that well a lot's changed since then we know a lot uh, but uh, my father uh, sent a tape to me, uh, unbeknownst to me, uh, in which he—you um, could hear his voice. It was a cassette tape. I put it in my cassette player, and there's my father's voice. And he talks about the uh, prior knowledge of the JFK assassination. He talked about uh, Lyndon Johnson being, uh, you know, in on it, uh, giving the green light, so to speak, uh, to the assassination. And uh, and my father, of course, knowing about all this and being involved uh, to the point that he called to, he was a bench warmer and what he meant by that was that he was there at the scene he wasn't uh, directly uh, involved in uh, in a in, in an aggressive mode uh, in a first-hand mode. but he was there as the highest-ranking cia official i believe and one that the cubans uh, trusted implicitly so if anything went wrong my father knew how to get them out where they were going and everything that needed to be done to cover their asses. And uh, that's what he referred to by Benchwarmer. He went to, uh, he was asked to come uh, to two meetings at Safe Houses in Miami in the summer of 1963, in which he was told about an off-the-shelf CIA, um, basically CIA run. But these guys were all from Operation 40, which was the assassination team created in the late 50s. These were all ex-Operation 40 guys. And, um... And they were going to kill the president, and they had the approval of Johnson, they had the approval of uh, William Harvey, who was deeply involved in Oswald and the assassination, was my father's equal at the CIA, until Harvey and RFK started their little personal war. Because at the height of the Cuban Missile Crisis, uh, when Kennedys are telling Khrushchev that, uh, that the, the, they're not gonna, they, they promise not to invade Cuba or sponsor any more attacks on Cuban soil... Harvey is running behind the scenes his executive action, which was his assassination team, um, handpicked by him and using uh, two French Corsicans uh, that were involved in the um, international drug trade. Uh, they were assassins uh, for the, the Corsican mafia. Um, but uh, he also ran a secret program in 1959 of false defectors to the Soviet Union, and that's the program Oswald was involved in when he defected in 1959. So, uh, and Harvey had become, uh, from from being a brilliant agent, he had become uh, a, a terrible alcoholic and just bullheaded, and he was not going to stop uh, sending, uh, you know, high-speed boats with, uh, you know, anti-Castro exiled Cubans to uh, to poison the water systems, to uh, destroy radio communications towers, to burn crop fields, and to do anything they could to uh, destabilize the Cuban economy. Continuing to to uh, make plans and attempts to assassinate Castro, and when RFK found out about this, he uh, took Harvey and he and he demoted him and sent him to Rome uh, as a um, not as a station chief, but as a subordinate to the station chief. And uh, it, that didn't stop Harvey. He continued to run his anti-Cuban uh, operations from Rome. But not only that, he sent memos uh, memos to CIA about executive action, saying that they shouldn't pick Sicilians. Uh, or other Italians for uh, assassins for his executive action project. But they should go and find uh, others that couldn't be directly linked. So he goes to Marseille and gets introduced to the uh, to, to the drug cartel there, and where he picks up uh, to uh, Hitman, one of whom's name was uh, Sartre, And my father knew that name. Uh, and my father was not a reader of JFK books. And that, at the time, wasn't a very well-known name in terms of someone that, oh, everybody knows this guy, you know, right. uh, Jean Sartre or whatever was Grassy no Gunman. Turns out he probably was. And so um, my dad said, with Harvey's involved, uh, he's an alcoholic and a psycho. And, uh, you know, I'm going to support you guys, but it's going to be on a limited basis. Although, as you said earlier, I never was able to get the entire story from my father. He did supply me with handwritten notes and uh, a tape recording. And uh, Many interesting facts about um, who was involved and and how things worked.
0: Pretty interesting stuff that we're going to have to stop for today's program and resume next week. We think that St. John Hunt's story about his family is about as interesting as family stories get. All right, before we leave the program today, I did want to mention one obituary from last year that of P.F. Sloan. One night back in 1964, Mr. Sloan experienced a burst of creative energy. The 19-year-old singer-songwriter dashed off five new songs in the space of a few hours, ending at 4 a.m. with Eve of Destruction, a protest anthem that singer Barry McGuire would take to the top of the charts the next year. The song referenced the Vietnam War, the civil rights struggle, the Arab-Israeli conflict, and the atomic bomb. But when Sloan, who was still living with his parents, woke his mother to tell her about his important new work, she shushed him. You're going to wake your father, she said. Tell me about it in the morning. Sloan was born Philip Schlein in New York City. His pharmacist father changed the surname to Sloan to avoid anti-Semitism. After the family moved to Los Angeles, the boy's life took a fateful turn. When Sloan was 13 and still a guitar novice, he encountered Elvis Presley at Wallach's Music Center in Hollywood. The king showed him how to play Love Me Tender and inspired him to pursue a musical career. By 16, Sloan was a professional songwriter, co-authoring pop hits such as You Baby for the Turtles, A Must to Avoid for Herman Hermits, and Johnny Rivers' Secret Agent Man. After the success of Eve of Destruction, Sloan tried to record his own songs, but his solo career was a flop. By 1972, he'd retreated from the music business and into isolation, said the New York Times, spending decades struggling with drug abuse and mental illness. He began recording and performing again in the 1990s. The only good thing about it, Sloan said earlier this year of his disappearance, was, I missed the whole disco era. Anyway, he may be best known for Eve of Destruction, but I can't think of a better song to end today's program with than Secret Agent Man. Do your best, Mr. McMillan. Edward McMillan has been the producer of this program, as he has been of all of them. I'm Douglas Everett. This is Radio Parallax. Tune in again next week for our continued discussion with St. John Hunt. It'll be worth your while.